0: This episode is sponsored by Visual Media. Are you an entrepreneur or a small business looking to take your brand to the next level? Then Visual Media is the service for you. Visual Media is a video production company who specializes in creating high quality visual content for social media, websites, and online courses. Head over to Visual Media on Instagram and drop Resilience in their DM to get started. That's V Z U A L M E D I A underscore to get started. What's up, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, the number one podcast for anyone looking to have a greater human experience. What's going on, everyone? It's another episode of Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown. And our special guest today is Mr. Dupree Foster. Dupree, thank you so much for jumping in and and joining us for a little while today.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Erin.
0: Of course, of course. All right, so jump right in. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Ah, okay, where to start? Um, so I'm from Virginia. I am from a rural area. Um, since a little kid, I've always wanted to be a police officer mm-hmm. since I was three years old. And, um, you know, growing up, I didn't have the best of childhood growing up, you know, with family dynamics and those types of things. Um, Didn't have a whole lot of money, you know, growing up. And I know one of the things that really that I look back on a lot and I think it's kind of helped me figure out how I am the way I am is, um, you know, being on the receiving side of a lot, a lot like growing up. So like needing things and people would do things for us. But I have I have to ask. I remember as a kid, take it back real quick. uh, It was me. My mom and my sister, uh, I'm the youngest of I guess five total, And I have a, a couple of step siblings as well on I top did. of that. But uh so me and my sister, who's about two years older than me, uh me, her, and my mom were at home. And I remember a snowstorm came. This is back in like I don't know, like 98. Mm. And um the power went out. And so luckily we had a wood stove, right? Because when the power is out, the heat doesn't work. Uh it was cold at night. Oh my goodness. And um, but we didn't have any wood for the wood stove. And so I remember us like sitting there huddling up together and just trying to like stay warm. had some candlelights lit. And all of a sudden we had a knock at the door and I go over there with my mom. She opens the door and it's our neighbor with a uh, wheelbarrow full of uh, firewood. And he came in, he lit the fire for us and he went back home. And uh, having that and then also seeing my parents do things for people like nothing in return, uh, I think kind of sparked me in the part of like wanting to serve and help other people. Um, people always ask the question were my parents like in the military or police department or anything? No. Um, no one was really like it when I was young. Um, I know they took us to the rescue squad that was close to us, like for holidays, we'd bring them cookies and stuff. So we had like good relationship and like connections and stuff with people in public service that way. Um, and then just growing up, I uh I decided that that's really what I want to do. And and so I used to watch all the different like cop shows and rescue nine one one and anything like public safety related. Uh, fast forward to about 12 years old, I ended up moving in with my grandparents uh, by choice because my mom was moving out of the county to a city and I didn't want to go it. there. <laughs> I know, I was the same school system. And uh, I was supposed to stay there for just a year. Uh, I ended up staying until I finished high school. And But being there, though, it put me in proximity to uh, a rescue squad. Uh, so at 12 years old, I started hanging out there. And at 14, I actually joined a department, started responding to calls. At 16, got certified as an EMC um, and then you know, went to college and whatnot and became a police officer right after that. So uh, my big passion in life though, and as I look back over everything and like the jobs I've had in working in public safety, the main thing I like about it is really connecting with people, like mm-hmm. where they are and helping them realize the greatness within them to be able to be empowered to like take that next step. Um I think every one of us has like a unique gift within us. Um it's just like the trauma mm-hmm. and the things of life kind of like cover it up. Um, and so, helping people kind of focus on, hey, what what do you like to do? What are some experiences you've had? How have your your past experiences shaped how you are today? You know, thinking back in my life when things were rough as a kid, the weirdest thing and I think back on it is I always re- always had this mindset that it wouldn't always be this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's so easy to be stuck in the moment. You, you see something happen and you kind of lose all hope. You feel like it never will change, especially as a kid. Like things things like a day seems like forever, you know, like things yeah. are, are long as a kid. And um, so I think that's what helps me kind of like looking back on things now when challenges come up is that uh, I had challenges before and um, just kind of have that mindset that it won't, won't last forever, I guess.
0: Yeah. It's not fatal, right? It's not right. Fatal.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Okay. So emergency EMT, yeah. What? Yeah. EMT. what, what, what? Okay, so what aside from just like wanting to help and be of service, what led you to to that particular area?
1: So, um, so I had this grand plan in my mind, right? So, mm-hmm. as a kid at three, I could be a police officer. I knew I had to be at least twenty one. Yeah. So there's a lot, a lot of time in between there, and so I thought to myself, what could I do? What's the closest thing I could do to to law enforcement, to public safety? Um, so that's why at twelve. So at 12, uh, like I said, they were close by where my grandparents lived. So I was able to, like, actually ride my bike and like, or walk there. And um, so my thing was getting in there to get experience in public safety to prepare me for my next step in life, which was becoming a police officer. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I, I, and, too, like, the excitement, right? You, you Eventually, I like, got to drive ambulances with lights and sirens. So, like, that's fun. Yeah. Um, but, again, like, the it's really, like, that rewarding feeling of – uh, helping people. I remember in the middle of the night because it was a volunteer agency. So I'd have a little radio I would take home, um, and a call would go out at like 2 a.m. You know, and you'd wake up from home. Go to the rescue squad get an ambulance and like drive to someone's house if there were no one else, uh, no one there. Because basically one ambulance is staffed at the uh, at the rescue squad, and then if there are additional calls come out while that ambulance is on a call, then other people respond from home, mm-hmm. go to the rescue squad, pick up an ambulance, and drive it to the call. Something like that. And so it always I always touched my spirit where, like, I would think about how one person would call or be in need at, like, 2 a.m. Like, all these strangers, basically. Like, all these volunteers would show up to help that one person need, like, in the middle of the night. Um, I don't I just love that.
0: That's amazing. And it goes to show, like, having a support system. Your Your support system, I speak about it often, you know, it being, like, people that you know and trust. But you just mm-hmm. proven that you don't have to know them to to support them and to help them through their journey of their whatever they're going through in that moment. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to you can be, like you said, complete strangers, but you're coming together for a common cause to help someone in a, in a particular yeah. situation.
1: Aaron, and that's, I'm glad you brought it up that way, because it makes me think about another perspective as well, is that. Um, I've heard a lot of people say, I don't need anybody or we don't trust other people that we don't know, but you never know who you might need. Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard people say in the past too, like, um, what's that statement I heard someone say one time? It was like, um, I'll, um, you'll need me before I ever need you. Mm -hmm. You know, something to that fact, we don't know. Like, you don't really know what will happen.
0: You really don't. And, and as someone who used to navigate this world being very, very bullheaded, being very pessimistic, you know, mm-hmm. and then being able to be on the other side of things and seeing the, the how much we can really help each other, mm-hmm. you know. You don't know what someone is going through or what they have been through, and you and you could be suffering alone, you know. And yeah. we don't have to do that. And it was like mm-hmm. a light bulb that went off in my head when I realized when I lean into the, the situation that I was in or the obstacle that I have to, to, to navigate, learn how to get through, when you lean into that and you're open, there's people that, that are going to lift you up. They're going to hold mm-hmm. you up and help you navigate that because they've been through something similar or they have mm-hmm. some piece of knowledge or information that they can share with you that helps you.
1: Yeah, yeah, And, you know, I've had, had you know instances where like something happens or a challenge, I'm like I'm gonna just kind of figure this out on my on my own. And I remember like something where you share a little bit, and someone else is like, "Oh, I had a similar experience." But no one can help you unless you be a little bit vulnerable, like mm-hmm. put a little bit out there about what you're dealing with. Uh, but there's so many people out there that have just like I said similar experiences who can help you, and it's amazing how it's like one word, even them just saying, "Oh, I've been through the similar a similar situation." It just makes me feel like, oh, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. You know? I can, I can make it through this. Look how you are now. Like you dealt with something like this too. Wow. Okay.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about vulnerability and and moving from volunteering as an EMT to going to college and then being a police officer. What did mm-hmm. that look like to you?
1: Yeah. So, again, so like when I was in college, um. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. So this is a big, big part to really understand like the whole story of thing. So yeah. when I was younger, I was very, very quiet, uh, very reserved, uh, shy, right? Uh, but I always knew I wanted to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. And my mom used to get notes sent home, like saying Dupree needs to talk more and all these types of things. Like, I was I just listen, I didn't want to get in trouble. I heard kids talking and I get in trouble. Why do I need to talk? I'm just gonna sit back and observe. And <clears throat> growing up, when I was in high school, and I, this is kind of the time where I was getting involved a little bit later after I started um, like hanging out with the Rescue Squad. But I got to a point where I was like, I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want to be like shy and like closed postured and stuff. So I actually got a book um, called Life Strategies for Teens. And I read the book from cover to cover and started implementing some of those things. It was amazing how when I implemented, basically like things like um, just getting over the fear of rejection and, and things of that nature. yeah, And like implemented some of the things in the book and how things changed, how people responded to me different. Was pretty amazing uh, like public speaking i was terrified of speaking in front of, in front of people um those types of things rolling up, and so i did that um not because i want to try to fit in or be accepted by someone specific um uh, but i knew it wasn't aligning with my destiny like being shy and, and timid that type of thing Yeah. and so when i got to college my first year was really rough for me um big thing i dealt with in college was like loneliness um you know this, this campus of, of uh, yeah. thousands of people but feeling alone Uh, Feeling like I didn't fit in. Um, Growing up, I always had, again, this mindset of wanting to be a police officer. I think that's what really saved my life um, is because I was too afraid to get involved with things that other people got involved in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so now, you know, so so those things kind of kept me. But as I went through college um, and then making that transition from college into law enforcement – um, let's see. So it happened pretty quickly. So like my, I graduated in May of 2009 mm-hmm. from college. And then in July of 2009, I was in the police academy. So within oh, a few okay. months,
0: really fast.
1: Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the time was right. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, uh, but then, you know, getting into the academy, uh, was, it was challenging, like physically, mentally demanding, um, uh, like learning all the, the new things you need to learn. But I also set myself up, right. Again, when I got into law enforcement, uh, I was at the bottom again. Right? You're, yeah. you're at the bottom of the, of the company or business or whatever right? when you start somewhere new in most cases. So right before I graduated college, though, for about a uh, semester, semester and a half, I joined the local rescue squad where my college was. I went to Longwood University in Virginia. And um, I graduated the rescue squad just because I wanted to see how it felt to be at the bottom again. I get some experience that way before I graduated college and went. To... So I kind of had things kind of connected that way. But um, did college, did the academy, and then got to field training. And I'll tell you, um, field training uh, was challenging, right? Because you're learning all these things. You learn stuff in the academy, but now you're, like, really putting it into practical use, and it's so <laughs> much, right? Have you ever, I'm sure you have, like, you ever learned to drive a car, right? And when you <laughs> first drive for the first time, it's like you, you're trying to figure everything out. You have to think about every little thing you're doing. Um, and it's like the same thing when you get become a police officer, you get in that car, you have laptops, you have radio we need to talk on, we have sirens and lights we got to operate, you got to steer the vehicle, traffic so you've to stop, get it, put the spotlight up. So it's so much you have to learn uh, when you first start. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, it kind of becomes muscle memory like anything else in life, like tying your shoes. And so I remember uh, they do a process where basically you're with one training officer when you graduate and you're in patrol and you respond to calls with them. Um, and they kind of phase things in with you as far as like talking on the radio and driving and things of that nature. So my first training officer had a really great experience, uh, did very well, uh, connected well, learned a, lot, learned a lot. And then I was assigned to my second field training officer, I was ready to quit. Mm. I was like, I don't want to go back.
0: So uh, I've I've heard a uh-huh. lot of, not to cut you off, No, go but, ahead. you know, I I also I went to school for criminal justice and all that good stuff, and I hear that your your FTOs can really make or break mm-hmm. your relationship and what you want to do with the force. So I yes. hear so so it sounds like their first one really, really was amazing. You learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And that second one just not so much. Yeah.
1: And, and I'll give you some context, right? So context for this. So the first training officer I had had been an officer for at the time, I think about eight years. Hmm. Um he had trained a lot of people in the department. My second FTO, I was his first rookie, right? So the first person he was training. And the big dynamic was I did learn from him. Uh, so it wasn't like he was a terrible like officer or person type of thing, but the dynamic was very different. So he was always over my shoulder the whole entire time. Anytime yeah. I kind of, like, did something. uh I remember um like typing up a report and he'd be sitting there like looking over my shoulder, and I would type something and he would say, Oh, uh, say this. And so then I got to the point of like every line I would stop, say, What should I say now? You know, and just, yeah. just how I was. But anyway, so <laughs> I finally told him I just had to be honest. like, Hey, can you just like sit back for a minute and then when I'm done, can you review it? And we'll move forward that way Uh um because it was just it was um but i got to the point though like i was asked like i said i wanted to quit because it was he was driving me crazy but again i got to a point where i was like hey i kind of explained to him or asked him right hey can you just sit back and that's everything communication is a big piece in life that we we tend to fail on when Uh we don't communicate our perspective on things some other people don't know what they're doing unless you communicate it to them and so once that community that short conversation happened things got a little bit better and i also thought to myself kind of going back to how we started, right? I'm not going to let this one part keep me from what I want to do all my life, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm going to push through this and uh, it's not going to be this way forever, right? So I just had to suck that up for a little bit.
0: Yeah, love it, love it, love it. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that you are very strategic and have you always been that way? Is this something that you developed as a child or something that you develop growing up through high school and, and learning, I guess, more about yourself and who it is you wanted to be in the world.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So I'll, I'll tell you this. So uh, my wife is more of the planner. Okay. Right? So, and, I, and I'll touch on the differences of us as far as like planning stuff, but strategic. Yeah. When I have a goal in mind, um i'll think about all the little things that will help me get to that goal now necessarily i am not big on like every single day this is the plan to get there type of thing but like these are the big the big goals that i need to hit in between like the milestones um so yeah so as far as that aspect i think that's more so again like it was not a hey i feel like being a police officer it was it was like an obsession to be honest with you it was like Mm a passion like this is what i'm called to do um, and so I just thought about it as I went on, like, what can I do as I, gr- as I grew up? I did a ton of ride alongs. I did citizens police academies, um, as a youth, and then came back as a mentor. So I did a lot of things in between as much as I could do at each, each, you know, age range. Um, but no, not, not huge on planning aspect of things. And I tell my wife this; she loves planning things. I like to kind of go with the flow of things. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with my, my, my jobs what I've been doing right as a, uh, as an EMT, as a volunteer, you never know what can happen, right? So I'm out hanging out with family and friends and whatnot, and a call goes out, they need me, plans change, right? So mm-hmm. for me, I'm just on like the spur of the, what, what's next, let's hit it, let's do it. Uh, whereas she likes to know like every detail of what are we going to do, that type of thing, uh, which is a good dynamic for us, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, being strategic is important in, in certain uh, certain circumstances.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I love to hearing. Um, how you navigate it, um, your goal and your life's goal and bringing it to breathing life into it, you know, being, doing what you needed to do, getting up, riding your bike down to the, to the station and, and, and hanging out there and getting that information, getting that knowledge, volunteering, you know, doing everything that you knew would benefit. Um, you bring in your, you know, your dream of being a police officer to life. Is there anything on that journey that you regret? Hey, 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 if you're enjoying this content, do not forget to rate and review. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, be sure to rate and review. It helps us reach more people in more ways. Now, let's get back to some resilience.
1: Anything one degree. Um. Hmm. I don't go ahead, what you say?
0: Or or if it's easier, maybe not regret, but something you would change, you would do differently.
1: Yes, yeah. So I would change and there's only one person who told me this. Um, so when I went to college I wanted to, to get a degree in criminal justice. So I got a bachelor's in criminology and criminal justice because I knew I wanted to be a police officer. And there's only one person who told me it was my uh, uh, explorer uh, advisor when I was in the fire department I was 14, uh, there's an advisor who has is in charge of the youth mm-hmm. and he was saying, you know, if you want to be a police officer you don't need to, you don't have to get a criminal justice degree which I knew that you didn't have to. but I'm like, that's what I'm interested in. that's where I'm going to study. Um, but looking back now, I wish I had got a degree in something different. Um, because the skills, the the knowledge learned in the college, primarily towards a criminal justice degree, most of that knowledge is actually gained in the police academy and as a police officer. Right, you go to the police academy; it's about six months long, um, but then there's continuing education every year that you're taking mm-hmm. uh, different classes and, and things of that nature. So you're always learning about the criminal justice aspect of things. So I wish, and when I as a recruiter now in law enforcement, um, I'm always telling people, hey, you don't have to get a criminal justice degree. Other degrees that work very well, like, you know, type of topics would be like communications, because every call we go to, we're speaking with people, right? You have oral communication, verbal communication, then you're typing up reports, so written communication, and then you're testifying in court, so you got public communication, right? So all those aspects, every single day when you respond to a call. So communication, psychology, sociology, um, journalism, like those would be really good degrees as well. Um, And even um, like something in the finances, or like uh, entrepreneurship, that type of uh, business uh, management, those types of topics, um, I think those would be, I wish I'd done one of those, to answer your question. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Um, is it? Is it solely because what you learned in college, you learned in the academy? Is it solely that reason?
1: Yeah, primarily. Yeah, most of the stuff that I learned in college. So going into the academy, I had a better understanding because I already... Gotcha. Just familiar with the things we were talking about so it set me up for better success I think with understanding things um and really college in general helps um no matter what the degree is when you get into law enforcement um but yeah more so because most of the things that I, I needed to know as a police officer were taught to me and I was paid to learn that whereas you know I paid to get a criminal justice degree yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> love it so, love yeah. it that's in retrospe- retrospect retrospect you know hindsight being 2020 there's always something that we could have tweaked a little done a little differently Mm -hmm. um so it's great to learn that about you and the fascinating part about it is that someone's going to hear this and they're going to be like oh well maybe I know I want to be a police officer but maybe I will I will go this route instead of you know so that's great information and I'm glad that was a good question. I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really good question. I
1: wasn't on the list. I wasn't prepared for that one.
0: <laughs> I didn't send any questions. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So police officer, how long were were you and are you still an active police officer? I know you said you're a recruiter.
1: Yeah. So this year will be 14 years total, uh, so since 2009. Uh, This is my second department, though. I've worked with one agency for about three and a half years, Mm -hmm. um, got married, moved to another location uh, about an hour and a half away or so, and uh, transferred to a a larger department. Um, So I've been recruiting. I'm still a a sworn police officer, but my primary assignment within the department right now is recruiting. So I've been doing this for March probably five years that I've been recruiting. Uh, So I have an office at headquarters. I go to colleges and military bases, uh, do virtual stuff. Um, Basically, I'm the main Forefront person who gets people in the door to start the hiring process with us for a police academy position or for a police officer position to start our academy or to transfer in.
0: Gotcha. What are what are the the uh, top three things you look for in a potential candidate?
1: Yep. So top three. So um, one is can they um, do they have a decent background um, and it really that ties into honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, we understand and I understand, I'm sure you did too, right? That no one's perfect, yeah, right? But when you're applying for a job, obviously you don't want to be disqualified. You want the job. So people try to hide who they are and skirt around the truth and uh, omit different information, thinking, "Oh, no, it's not important. And I'm always telling them, hey, be upfront and honest with us. Like we can work with a lot of things. Like we understand no one is perfect. I've uh, been recruiting for five years now and uh, haven't found a perfect person yet. They're just, they're just not out there. Yeah. Um, but one, have a decent background. And that, that goes to, it's great when we have people who um, have known they want to be a police officer for a little while. And uh, Maybe they start having that mindset of thinking, hey, I need to make sure I don't do certain things so you don't yeah. disqualify yourself. Um, but, having, yeah, again, having a decent background doesn't have to be perfect. Um, the other aspect is physical fitness. Um, I know you can go around the nation and look, and some officers aren't very fit. Uh, you might not think they can run or anything like that, and probably the case for some people. Uh, but it's important, though. In law enforcement, I talk about communication skills, but physical fitness is so important because there may come that time where you physically have to protect yourself, protect someone else, you know, chase after someone. Um, And so it would be really terrible. It'll be a disservice to the public if you respond out and you're not physically fit and you can't physically help someone because of your unfitness, right? And so physical fitness is important. And the other part, a big part, is communication, right? Uh, One is going to be internally, how do you communicate with yourself? Emotional intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding yourself. But being able to communicate with people in general, um, you have to you have to be open minded when you connect with people, um, not being judgmental. And we see all kinds of things in the news and the media and stories we hear from people, and maybe even personal experiences that people have. Um, but having that mindset that you can connect and communicate with 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 anyone, right? Mm-hmm. It starts to see people as a human being. What's that?
0: I said I am agreeing a hundred and ten percent. Yeah.
1: And the one thing I I usually ask people is this, is that, you know, if you want to get into a a profession where it is to serve other people, right, law enforcement, a bunch of things, right? If you get into a service-oriented field, do you like people? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't really like people, then why are you doing this? Because that's really what it's all about. It's about serving other people. I even push it even further. I ask people sometimes, do you actually, do you love people, right? Love people for who they are, right? People make poor decisions and people do bad things sometimes, but... It doesn't define who they are and it doesn't define how we need to treat them, right? So treat everyone with respect. Uh and also can you because it's easy, especially in law enforcement, because if you think about it, we're trained to go out and find the negative in society. Right. And so what you focus on in life, it tends to uh change your perspective on life, right? And so I always tell people this focus on as much as you can. Can you find at least one or two good things about every person you encounter? Because not everyone is all bad. Yeah. Um, and so you know, having that mindset, but again, just having an open mindset, the mental f- fitness part of the uh, physical fitness part of it, good communication, decent background. Uh, you know, those with military experience, those with college education usually do pretty well. Um, the other thing, I'll share this one last thing for, on this topic, is for age. A lot of people will say, uh, am I too old? I had a guy actually call me yesterday, and he had applied a couple of weeks ago. He seemed kind of apprehensive, though, although he already applied. Um, and he said he's 49. And he didn't want, didn't want to get disqualified because of his age. And I was telling him, you know, as long as you're physically fit to be able to, you know, do what it takes to go through the physical fitness testing and do the academy, and uh, you know, you're good. Um, life experience is so important in law enforcement. I started when I was 21. My average age in the academy is typically about 28. Uh, but he said he's 49. So that's, that's great. You've got a lot of life experience that can help you serve as a better police officer and connect with people better. Um, and so a lot of people, I think, discredit themselves because they think they're too old. Uh, and, yeah, there's certain positions, and most of the federal government have a lot of restrictions and stuff. But um, that, those in law enforcement, again, because it's something where your life experience weighs a lot on how you make decisions in life. And as police officers, we have a lot of discretion on things, right? So okay. we, individually, we can think of all the facts of the case and make the proper decision. Uh, it's not like we always have to take someone to jail for every single thing or write a ticket for every th- single thing. And that discretion is there so that hopefully with a clear mind as a police officer, you can take account of all the facts. Because there are certain circumstances where um, someone may have technically violated the law, but if you put all their circumstances together, totality of circumstances, right? Everything that happened, uh, the reason behind why, you know, whatever was done, there might be a better outcome or alternative to actually arresting that person. <laughs> um, so anyways, so yeah.
0: I love the breakdown. Uh, <laughs> I really do. Uh as as you should very well know um the police officers have not always had the best light shined on them mm-hmm. so i i always commend anyone who dons the badge um every day in the best way that they can i feel like it's like uh like superman putting on a cape you know <laughs> i always say that it's you're you're really a superhero going out and 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 granted you're still a human being just like all yes. of us right and mm-hmm. I don't want I don't want that to get lost in translation at the end of the day we are all humans just trying to have a greater human experience
1: yes it
0: just so happens that you're calling your passion what it is that you're doing your career it it regards you in, in a higher standard in a sense mm-hmm. um. There are certain things that aren't acceptable, you know. Once you, well, I'd say across the board, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> whether, you, <laughs> whether you you have a badge on or not, um, yeah. but I always commend, you know, anyone willing to to step up and 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 do the duty that has been given into them, and that is, uh, you know, protecting us. You know, it's yeah. it's really difficult. Um, I, like I said, I went to school, uh, for criminal justice. So I have a, a good amount of knowledge. I actually thought about pursuing, you know, being a police, police officer. I'm forward. hiring.
1: I'll, I'll hook you up. I know <laughs> For a
0: long time. It's
1: <laughs> not too late. <laughs> and,
0: um, you know, so I just, I just wanted to take this opportunity, take this moment to commend you. Uh, for doing what you do every single day. I know it's not always easy. It's not always rainbows and butterflies. Um, I did loss prevention for a while too. And I, and I always know that there's some days that I'm seeing people at their absolute worst. Mm-hmm. And knowing that there's one decision, one phone call, one, whatever the case may be, that the roles could be reversed
1: yes and that always humbles me Mm -hmm. so
0: I just wanted to say you know thank you for what you do what you've been doing for the past 14 years um for my community I know it hasn't always been easy but I commend you
1: thank you I appreciate that of course
0: of course course it's I know it's hard I know I know it it's, is,
1: it's it is challenging. It is. Um, you know, sometimes I think back, um, and it's like it's kind of amazing too, like some of the calls I think back on of how I was I able to get through that? Mm-hmm. Like what, like, why do we even do this? Like, why yeah. do I respond? And like, you know what I mean? Like, I love it, I enjoy it, but it's like what what is in that what possesses someone to even like really want to do this Mm -hmm. because you're putting yourself in danger it's not every single day um there's that possibility right obviously when you're out and about and wearing the uniform um but it's really amazing to also kick in and and see how your training and experience over time helps you become a better officer Um, i think the greatest thing for me is again i started when i was 21 so i was I was still trying to figure out, like, being a police officer, how to actually be, like, um, you know, body posture wise, like all that stuff. So I realized as I as I got older through law enforcement, is, is being more human, like you were saying, right? Being more human and connecting with people, um, and just talking to people and listening to people is one of the biggest things. Uh, if you think about. Uh, law enforcement in general, uh, usually the biggest complaint uh, from citizens is that they felt like they weren't, um, that the officer was rude or like didn't listen to them or those types of things. Uh, and so really finding that common, finding that, that balance where, okay, you know you're a police officer. Uh, people know you're a police officer. Now treat people, uh, listen to people and hear what they have to say and let them have voice in the process as much as possible and explain your actions. I think that's where a lot of times it falls down is that there are a lot of things that we don't have to do as police officers, as mm-hmm. far as like what we tell you or explaining things to you. But overall, is it more respectable to explain a process to someone if you have time to do that? Absolutely. And also, it might save a whole lot of issues if you just explain to people why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. You know. So I think the ego part kind of gets involved sometimes. And I'm getting all, all, all.
0: No, I I love it because um, that I can tell about right up
1: there. for days, but <laughs> but That's um,
0: like there but, can definitely yeah. change mm-hmm. the course of of a call 110 percent yeah um even just the way you the way you get out of your car and the way Mm -hmm. you 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 talk to you present yourself to someone like you said yes we both know you're a police officer and the possibility of you being here because I did something wrong is very very high right Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: I really think that there's a level of respect that we, we have to give to one another,
1: you know, right. to one another, both ways. Yeah. Both, Absolutely. both ways. Yeah. both yeah. ways.
0: Hey, 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 did you know I wrote a book? It's called the value method, five steps to unlocking your greatest potential. And in it, I share just that five wildly easy, actionable steps that will set you up to have a greater human experience daily. I've included interactive worksheets, and small assignments at the end of each chapter, you're literally creating a living blueprint of your best life. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to purchase your copy and a copy for a friend. Um it doesn't start and end with one person. We yeah. have to find a way. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Here's the here's the challenge. Um kind of give you a little perspective picture of this, right? So One of the courses I teach uh, for our academy is called Fair and Impartial Policing. So it talks about biases that people tend to have. And one of the examples I use is, you know, as a police officer, give the example of a traffic stop, right? I pull over a car. I'm a police officer. I'm wearing a uniform. I'm I'm in a marked police car. I pull over the citizen who I pretty much know either someone driving a vehicle. It's a person, right? They're driving the vehicle. I pull them over. Now, as I walk up on the car and that person is sitting in their car, they know in most cases that I'm a police officer walking up on their car. And I know in my mind, this is a human being that's sitting in the driver's seat. But we both don't know which type of police officer or human being that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so our mind has these biases. It naturally goes back to our, our lived experiences, stories people have told us whether they were true or not, uh, new uh, movies, the news, right? All those things kind of filter through our mind very quickly and it's at the subconscious level. It's not something that's consciously thought about until we start making an interaction. Now, this is where it goes south sometimes is that our bias makes us to think that maybe that person in the car is doing something that's aggressive or they're being um, dishonest about something. And then the person in the car thinks that we're maybe just another officer they about similar to an officer they saw in the news or a previous experience they had. So we're already starting with this negative uh, attitude sometimes, sometimes based off our previous experiences, until we start to communicate with each other to start un- to understand one another and where we're actually coming from. And in some cases, that doesn't happen. There's been times when I pull, pull over cars, and before I even get out of my car, person has their head out the window and they're cursing me out. Like, you don't know yeah. why I stopped. Yeah. Right? And so and that's the biggest part is there's a lot of misunderstanding that happens because of our previous experiences and the biases that we carry with each other. Um, But it really takes that on both accounts for each other to show the respect and try to get to that common ground of understanding why we're doing this. Here's the thing you kind of touched on a little bit earlier, Aaron, and I want to mention this, is there are a – there's been bad history in law enforcement in the past, Um, and so that's one of the things that we can't negate is that – uh, you know, dogs were used against cultures, uh, against Blacks back in the day. There were sundown time, ty- um, sundown ty- um, towns, right, where Blacks couldn't be in a certain area after after dark and those types of things. And so the police were used to enforce those laws and you know, things back in the day. And so there's still that hurt that's still there. So we can't discredit that those negative things happen. And then today you see negative things that happen as well. But again, it goes back to every single person is a person. Every person in law enforcement is a person and when it's perfect. And so it comes to that part of we have to do better overall as a society. Honestly, there's a whole lot more people who are not police officers, like we'll just talk about America, right, than there are people who are police officers. Mm-hmm. So reality, the power is with the people. I know it doesn't seem that way for some people, right, but it's really with the people, not with law enforcement. Because yeah. um, we can't do our jobs without communities, communities' uh, respect and community's agreement for us to do what we do.
0: Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. I thought for a very, very long time that I, my, this was my goal. My goal was to be a a liaison between police officers and the community. I didn't know where I was going to start. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but for a long time, I was like, there has to be more, um, because there's so much there, like you said, there's so much distrust, on both, on both parts so Mm -hmm. that there's, it's really hard to meet in the middle when we're both sides are coming in with such disdain Mm -hmm. who, who can help navigate that. Right. So for the, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for the longest, I'm like, I'm going to be that person come to find out. I'm not that person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that person. I do my very best to, Interject, not impede on Next. situations that cause for it. You know, um, at the end of the day, we have to get to a point where we can hold ourselves accountable for our actions and yeah. our reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, more, I think more importantly, like our actions, yes, but our reactions most important because. Now, granted, we're not always in control of that particular situation, but we are mm-hmm. always in control of how we respond, yeah, to it.
1: We have a lot of power we do, like as individuals, right? And a lot of times we give that power away to other people, and we say we can't do what we, what we want to do because of such certain circumstances and other people right instead of looking within like what do we already have and how can we control maybe our how we talk to people or our emotional reaction and those types of things like there's so much power and so much things that we can actually control just like like you said with how we respond to other people um but we, we all have the power to make a decision right and mm-hmm. make a choice and so your choice a lot of times dictates the outcome not just with like law enforcement just in general in life right your yep. your choice the action that you choose to make dictates consequences Uh whether they be good or bad you know
0: yeah and i and it's it is cool because i'm bringing all of this around to go into your life coaching experience because i know that your life has had a lot to do with you pursuing this as well um so tell us a little bit about that what what inspired you to become a certified life coach
1: yeah, so I think it's my my big thing of, of seeing how challenges in life for me and how, like I've seen in high school, how I started implementing things and learning. It's uh, really my journey with like personal development kind of kicked in was in high school yeah. um, and implementing those things and seeing how life can change. And So now wanting that for other people, like I can realize, or well, I'll, I'll see some people who may be dealing with challenges and I'll connect with them. And so the interest for that is really seeing, hey, I've been able to change through this personal development and kind of understanding myself a little bit better. Um, and then going through the courses to really be able to understand different skill sets or um, practices that could I could use to help other people. Uh, so I think the biggest thing is really just connecting with, I, it helped me, right. Um, and learning it helped me for myself. And then just sharing that other, that information with other people as well and seeing them grow and like reach their goals. Yeah.
0: Love that. Love that. It's, it comes full circle.
1: Yeah. It, it really and, does it's so neat right so like being on calls i've had people uh you know ask me to pray for them i've had people follow up with me for for like guidance and things like that and so um just that again it's just that aspect of i i like i like helping people i like seeing people um live joyfully you know i think like you were said when we started out like everyone wants to like live peacefully we're all in this in this earth and having a better want to have a better human experience mm-hmm. um and so how can we help with whatever we have to help other people do that. And really the more I serve other people the more fulfilled I feel. I and was going I was going myself. there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of people are they shy from the word uh, like selfish. And mm-hmm. and I don't because the pure joy that I get from helping other people I love to see people happy and and I also love to be happy. And Mm -hmm. I know that my happiness comes from being able to pour into others, watching them grow, watching them then turn around and pour into others. You know, it's just a a snowball effect of me. My motto has always been leaving this world better than I found it, starting with myself. Right. So like you said, that personal development, getting me together in order Mm -hmm. to help other people. How can you not? find the joy and celebration and getting to a spot where you are comf- comfortable and confident enough in what you know what your life's experiences are to help other people navigate those you know their yeah. lives
1: yep you know we talk about joy and like we all have a different interests in life and just recently at my wife had sent me a picture my son just went in-home daycare he's three uh, son's three my daughter's seven Uh, I've been married for 10 years. I think I skipped over all that part (laughs) Uh, But I loved him. So my son, he's three. He goes to daycare. And the daycare lady, she sends pictures to my wife every once in a while throughout the day. And she sent him a picture of him pushing one of the other kids. They were in a car, like a little toy car, and he was pushing her through the backyard. And I'm like, wow, I have a picture very similar to that when I was a little kid. And I can remember my mom yelling out the door one day saying, Dupree, it's your turn now to get on the car. Let someone push you. But I was having so much fun, like, pushing them and seeing them have fun. Yeah. And so I was thinking about my son. like how He just loved – I never seen him on the car and anyone pushing him. But I'm like, he's probably just so excited pushing yeah. them and, like, see, seeing them have fun. So uh, I think, too, figure out what your interest is and whatever uh, excites you as far as how you serve other people. Uh, don't discredit that because of what other people are thinking about how your service is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's really big. That's a, that's a really nice uh, key point right there that you said. Uh, because there's so many people who get caught up in what society thinks they should be doing or how they should be showing up in a world. And then they they don't show up as their full selves. And what yeah. a disservice that is. Um, because at the end of the day, we want you to, to walk in this world bold and confident in who you are, what you bring to the table, and the space you take up. Yeah. And so often society tells us who we should be. You should fit in this box. Mm-hmm. This is this is yep. who you are. And I want to give a a quick shout out to the young people nowadays because they said bunk them boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I am showing up authentically, mm-hmm. and I I just commend them for breaking that that generational, I won't even say it's a curse, but a gen- generational um uh, misstep that yeah. that we've experienced, I've experienced um just in in the world. And they they see the opportunity for them to, hey, this has been great and good job for you navigating this, but we're gonna do it differently this time. That takes a lot
1: of courage. And that's what we need, right? For us mm-hmm. to progress and change. We have to have that. And it's that same thing in, in public safety as well, like having the younger generation come in with new ideas and perspective on things. That's how we're gonna progress and change for the for the better, right? We we need that. We need that.
0: Absolutely. Uh do pray, do pray, right? I think I said it yeah, wrong yeah. earlier. Do today pray every I'm, day. Do pray every day. I apologize pray for pronouncing day. it wrong earlier. Oh, no worries. <laughs> um, do do you have any Anything else that you want to share with our listeners?
1: Um, I want to share this. Um, you know, there's a, I think it's in Ephesians in the Bible. And it talks about the only way for us to be healthy, growing, and full of love is that for each and every one of us to do our own special work. Mm. And so you got to take that time to figure out what it is that you're actually here for. Like, no one can tell you that exactly, like, do this. Um, but internally, what is it that you're here for? You're already here. You were here for a purpose. Like, you hearing this and, and watching this or whatnot. You know you're here for a purpose, and so now you got to tap into how can you serve uh, with what you have now and continue to grow, and you can serve even greater as you grow. Um, there's four Ds that I talk about a lot of times um, when, I, when I speak. Uh, it's about why people don't step into purpose and actually fulfill what they're supposed to be doing, right? Sometimes they, they say they don't know what their purpose is, or they know, but then they deny it because, like you said, they're fearful about what other people think or what society thinks they should be doing. Um, you know, and so those types of things kind of keep them from moving in the direction of what they want to do. And then some people um uh what are, I'm getting all mixed up here. So yes. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so you don't know, you deny. Um, oh my gosh, why am I drawing a blank? So yes. The four it's D's. That's right. Yeah, four don't, D's. don't do that. Listen, the, the main thing is make the decision. <laughs> uh make the making the decision to fulfill your purpose right and step into your full call
0: absolutely love it love it we're gonna call that the the d's d's the d cubed d,
1: there you go
0: d cubed follow we got me it.
1: find the third d follow me <laughs> on <the page laughs> <into France.
0: laughs> we got it covered over here <laughs> i love it where can we find you and how can we support you
1: yeah, so um, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, probably the main ones I usually use. I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, but yeah, sometimes every once in a while I'll share some videos, some positive things. Really I try to help with keeping positivity up and help people focus on fulfilling their purpose. Uh, so like, comment, share in some of my things as well. Um, if you or someone you know uh, need someone to support them, I'll be glad to support them with helping them find clarity in life so they can you know step into their purpose and what they actually want to do in life.
0: Love it, love it, love it. Do pray do pray Erin yeah <laughs> is it Erin or Erin it's see oh you know what you know Aaron? What? Uh, is it it's Erin I mean... right Aaron. it's Erin the only Aaron. person that ever calls me Erin is my older sister Erica right everyone oh, yeah. else calls me Erin and i do not care right <laughs> <laughs> uh... I, I do it it makes it makes no difference. Um, you know, just don't call me late for dinner. You okay. know, You know, don't call me late, late in general, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but Aaron, Aaron, I actually worked with uh, when I did loss prevention at JCPenney, my mm-hmm. boss, his name was Aaron. I was Aaron. So we had a coworker. Uh-huh. Who called him air and me air it made absolutely no sense okay <laughs> it made absolutely no sense but it, it, it worked so mm-hmm. that was that's a great experience um but i just want to thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your day to spend with that. us share your knowledge share your information share your insight and really really pour into to this community um I know someone is going to benefit from hearing what everything that you had to say, you know, then you said you dropped a lot of gems, a lot of valuable information for anyone at any stage of their lives. You spoke to people who are three, 12, (laughs) 21 to 49. Okay. You you yeah, poured yeah,
1: it. Yeah, I guess you, so. You put it in that perspective. <laughs> you did. You
0: you poured into us all, and I am I'm immensely grateful for being able to have this conversation with you.
1: Me too. Thank you, Aaron. This is really exciting. I we got to chat some more.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have one final question for you. Okay. Ready?
1: Okay. Do
0: right, pray. What is your definition of resilience?
1: Hmm. My definition of resilience is understanding that the challenge you're dealing with right now is not going to be forever. And it's there to also remind you – resilience is reminding you or allowing you to remember the challenges you faced in the past that you've made it through. And so really it's just having that mental toughness, that, the mindset, that hey, having that vision that this is not where life will end. Uh, that, that's it. I
0: love it. I love it. Resilience in action every single day. Love That's it. Right. Thank you so much. Take care, Aaron. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate and review. And remember, resilience in action will always lead to a greater human experience.